Dance Metal episode 50. Uh, for this episode, we did something a bit different, and this might end up running really long because of it. We're doing a load of listener suggestions, so we're going to do slightly shorter reviews of about 20-odd albums. This may well end up split into two episodes, but we'll try and get to pretty much at least one choice from everyone who recommended us something. So I'm joined by Rob today. Yep, uh, this was a lot of stuff, but there were some really <laughs> exciting things in here, and a lot of stuff that... Bands I had listened to and not quite got, it's a really nice opportunity to go back and listen to a really good recommendation of picking what's the best one to actually get into this band with. So that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. So mostly I think we're going to be talking about a lot of modern stuff, particularly 2019 releases, but there's a few older kind of weird ones in there as well. So we're going to jump straight into it with a recommendation from Donovan Zimmerman who I think is probably on the payroll for this band because he's <laughs> recommended them absolutely everywhere. But he is completely correct. They're utterly incredible. This is yet another band from Portland. Uh, this is Shabti with their second album, Trembling and Sean, from 2019. And I'd call this essentially re- a really good power trio doing black and death metal. Yeah, with like quite a few little progressive elements put in there, you you can sort of draw a kind of similarity to the sort of thing that Agacocker are doing, but I feel this is sort of a, it's a bit sort of faster and less atmospheric in a way, it doesn't have that like sort of weird Satanism angle that Agacocker would do a lot of. Yeah, that's that wouldn't be like my obvious choice as a comparison, just because mm. they, they don't have the clean vocals, they, they are well and truly like a heavy to the point band, mm. they pretty much don't do a riff that isn't over-the-top heaviness. Mm. The, the interesting thing they do, though, which like struck me straight away, and it might be because I'm always obsessed with this one, it is good, is the bass playing yep. is so loud and in your face and almost takes the position of the lead instrument. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the really cool riffs in it are really made to stand out by have it hearing the really clear bass melodies underneath, which really come to the fore, which makes what... I suppose that's the thing, when you've got that trio, you have to use all those instruments because you haven't got two guitars taking up all of that space. So the bass comes to the fore and takes that space alongside the riffs, which makes it sound really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the comparison I sort of thought of them was, if you're familiar with the band Stargazer, they're like that if they were sort of partially doing death metal as well as the black metal Mm. kind of side, where Mm. the bass is completely taking the lead and the guitars and drums just lock down cool atmospheric stuff yeah 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 i can definitely see that and it's got the nice sort of having the dueling like high and low screams at the same time so for a free piece there is so much versatility (laughs) going on here there's loads to pay attention to yeah like uh, the the vocal delivery by rob cook the guitarist is really really Mm. excellent i don't i think the bass player might add some backing vocals if just live i don't think he's credited on the cd but yeah, it's properly incredible. And the tones they get are really good as well. I, they're that kind of band I imagine have huge pedal boards. Yeah. Because like, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the bass tone's really unique in places. Like, it gets these strange, like, phaser sounds on it mm. in, in places and it like, doesn't just have the same tone throughout. It goes for a lot of variations, which in metal is really rare. I can't think of many albums off the top of my head where the bass mm. really varies in tone throughout. And just like the level of attack of the whole album, like yeah. it is very in your face. Yeah, like like the drum sound is so sort of primal. Um, it, it gets that perfect balance for getting that aggression out without sounding, you know, like it's recorded in a basement or something like that, and still manages to sound super super tight. Like the double kicks on this are spot on. Like there's no sort of bleeding through or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and and this is exactly how I want 
black and death metal to sound. Like, when those two genres come together, this has got the perfect mix of the two. It's got, like, Mm. the nastiness and heaviness of death metal, but keeps a bit of that blackened atmosphere, so the whole thing's just a bit creepy and weird, on top of being disgustingly It doesn't sound too sort of surgical and clean. Like, it still feels quite dangerous, and when you listen to it, it really sort of hits you. Mm. And, And that's not just the sort of mechanics of it. There's something sort of a bit dirty about it. Yeah, I've heard from Donovan as well, who who has caught them live, that they're absolutely brilliant as a live act. Like, I've seen a few YouTube videos, and they mm. don't lose anything being a free piece. So, yeah, this definitely seems like a band to watch. And at this point, this is certainly lending itself to like that album of the year kind of. Oh yeah. Like, if you've missed this one so far, and like kind of that nasty side of things, especially with decent bass playing, this is so well worth checking mm, out. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I guess it's that sort of thing of being a three-piece, you have to do more. You know, <laughs> yeah. you can't fall back on that sort of standard but very effective thing of you've got your two guitarists who are, like, dueling off each other, you've got some leads on one, you've got some rhythm on the other. You've got to do something a bit different. Like, you know, if you're not using the bass, then why is there a bass player there? <laughs> if you're a three-piece, it means you have to do a lot more to sound as big. Yeah, yeah. And, and the album does an interesting thing as well. It's like a short kind of six-track thing where most of the tracks are kind of fairly contained and to the point, and then does a really epic long yeah, closer, yeah. which yeah, it's, it's, is a very well-put-together album. Also got a really cool cover, like, mm. simple but quite effective. Oh, the weird thing I noticed watching the live video is their guitarist plays a Les Paul, which oh, really? is, is not the guitar <laughs> I would expect of this kind of that band. That is bizarre for black and death metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
All right, so moving on, we have um, a recommendation from Terry Walker. This is a band I think he's really fond of. Um, formed in 2010, this is Sorcerer from Sweden, I believe, and their uh, second album, Crowning the Fire King, from Metal Blade Records in 2017. I think me and Rob have slightly differing opinions on this. Um, personally, I really like this album. It's very much that kind of Candlemas-influenced epic doom metal where everything hinges really on the vocal delivery. Big riffs and a huge sounding vocalist. This is one of the ones where Sorcerer, a band I've come across sort of time and again, have never properly hooked into, despite being a huge Candlemas fan. Um, but this was a really nice opportunity to come back and like look at what they're actually doing, because I've only heard the odd song, so giving it time to actually do an entire album... Um, and I am starting to properly get it. Um, I do think there are moments on this album that are brilliant. Like, there's a nice thing that they do, so they sort of to differentiate them from a band like Candlemas or Crypt Sermon or a more sort of traditional doomy band. They're sort of more triumphant and epic than they are melancholy. Yeah. They don't yeah. have as much of those, like, heavy and, you know, really sad moments. But on things like the title track, The Crowning of the Fire King, you know, you can almost see like that epic choruses of power metal or something like that in here. And it sort of fits alongside the, you know, really bombastic Candlemas style vocalist. Um, and yeah, they mix those choruses, which riff, with riffs that are still pretty heavy. Like mm. they're not Candlemas levels of heavy, but they're like proper doomy riffs. Um, and they really build on that operatic side. And so, yeah, I was really starting to get it. I think it's a bit too long. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's eight tracks and about an hour long, so most of the tracks come in like close to the eight-minute mark. It is just a really long album, and they do try and make every track like as epic as possible. And it just starts. I do find this kind of style starts to drag after about forty minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, like, it's, it's one of those things. that's a real shame because sort of going through it as a full album. By the end of the album, it was all like. I've been through this huge build-up so many times. <laughs> but when I went back and sort of listened to, you know, individual tracks at the end of the album, just to go, right, I didn't, didn't pay these proper attention, songs like Crown of the Fire King is really good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. possibly my favourite on the album. It's got such a good build-up. It makes a really nice use of synths to make it sort of super dramatic. Um, it's got some of the best riffs and the best choruses on there. Um so I think, yeah, if you go in and listen to the songs individually, there's amazing sort of build-up in it. There's a really nice interplay between those super powerful choruses and the heavy riffs. Um, it, it never really gets to as heavy as Candlemas or Crypt Sermon or a lot of other Doom bands do, but I guess that's just the side of Doom that it's going for. Well, actually as well, I think there's a lot for people who are into like newer chemists and stuff. This is well worth a yeah. listen. Because it's got that... Because chemists, although they do have screens and stuff, aren't a really bleak heavy band they're more mm. fun and bombastic and this really is on the massively bombastic yeah. end and yeah. i would say the vocals are some of the best of all those bands mm. like the vocals mm. are absolutely incredible um what's the name anders engberg is a truly amazing vocalist like yeah yeah, yeah. The the other side is what is it has a super clean modern production which mm. is one of the bits like it took me a little bit longer to get my head around like it hooked me in with the vocals quite quickly, but yeah, I was surprised at the style. It didn't go a little bit more like old school and raw. But. Yeah, it's sort of it has that sort of much more polished feel than the early Doom stuff, which I saw. Like it sort of fits with that idea of it having those huge bombastic epic choruses, a bit more like power metal. So it's got that slightly cleaner production. 
Um, which I think probably, you know, if you're into Sabaton or something, this is probably a nice way of getting into some Doom. Because mm. it, it really brings you in with those huge hooky bits and then matches them up with the heavier riffing. Yeah, I think we should say is this album is silly as hell. Like oh, yeah. you, you have to be you have to be prepared for some really strange stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's great. The middle of Ship of Doom is incredible. Where yes. Starts, where the the singer starts chanting this kind of instructions mm. to the crew of this imaginary doomed ship. Like, yeah, yeah. I thought that bit was really fun because the whole thing is so theatrical. It mm. really sort of sells you on it having those moments, and it gives you those you know the themes about fire kings and uh, boats being destroyed and all that sort of stuff it really sells you on that it never feels like they're not 100% behind all these concepts yeah yeah definitely um, if you're interested in this as well I have to recommend uh, the vocalist is also on an incredible prog metal album uh, by Speaking to Stones called Elements that came out I think about 2012-ish that is I think his best ever vo- vocal performances mm. on that album but yeah really worth a go There's no escape as darkness falls Okay, so this next one is a suggestion from quite a long-time listener, Hal, who has recommended a quite old album, actually. This is Kalmer's They Will Return from 2002 on Spike Farm Records. So this album, knowing it's on Spike Farm, it's from Finland, and if from 2002, you can almost guess exactly (laughs) what this is going to sound like. This is some true Children of Odin worship from... Mm. From the kind of so this 2002, I think we're just between Follow the Reapers come out and Hate Crew Death Roll is going to come out like a year after, and this album I'd say sits perfectly between the kind of musical stylings of Hate Breeder and Follow the Reaper. It's mm. not quite as like weird as Hate Breeder, but it's not quite as poppy as Follow the Reaper. It's kind yeah. of in the middle. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got some really nice stuff. Uh, the thing I really liked about it is this sort of took me back to when I was listening to Deep Purple when I was much younger. The idea of your guitars and your keyboards sort of interchanging with each other, mimicking each other and swapping over in quite mm. a few of the solos. There's these bits where they follow the same passages and there's parts where 
it is quite hard to tell them apart. Um, and I really like that taking that sort of pushing those two instruments in the same direction and then putting it onto death metal and it fits really nicely in melodic death metal it gives it that sort of slightly fantastical feel yeah yeah it, it really does it, it has something very prog rock about it yeah. despite being so kind of fast and essentially with a bit of a black metal influence in the yeah. core like the drum performance is more black metal than it is say, death or power metal. Yeah, there's quite a lot of, like, blast beat and tremolo-picking riffs in this. Mm. And then, like, the sort of, like, snarled vocals, more in that less, you know, guttural, does slightly make you think of a bit of black metal, which is mapped with these, like, at sometimes slightly cheesy-sounding keys. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, which kind of works, because, like, a lot of black metal then went in that direction of sounding, you know, more epic and slightly cheesy than sinister. And I think that fits nicely. And these guys have exactly the same lineup as Jim Bodum of the two guitarists, one doing vocals, keyboard, bass, and drums. And it is a lot of that trading back and forth, like ridiculous fast picking guitar mm. leads. And then little bits of the bass coming through as well that Children Bodum had a lot more of on their early stuff. And the guitar performance, genuinely, I would say, gets close to rivaling some of Alexi Leo's better moments. Yeah, like, it's, the it's, solos are silly good. It is, it is insane. Like the. Yeah, and the, and the work of the keyboards as well, because they're keeping up with this insane guitar work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet yeah, not getting to look as cool as the fancy guitars. But yeah, <laughs> yeah well. <laughs> th- that was the bit that really sold me on it, is listening to those solos, just going, how the hell are they playing this? Or even, like, say, the intro riff to Principal Hero is just so fast. Mm. Like, and then, you know, this is early 2000s, so probably not too much studio trickery pulling this together, right? Yeah. I guess just before the age of being able to really pro tools everything into place. Mm. And it does have a slight rawness of being you know, close to 10 years old now. Yeah. It's still got some proper, like, old school death metal sounding guitars in it, though. Like, it catches that balance of sort of the heaviness of it and the melodicism really nicely because it still has that edge where you'll listen to some riffs and you think, this is just a death metal riff. You know, this doesn't feel particularly melodic at all. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Had you ever heard Karma before? Not before, no. It's my first time. Because I checked out, I think, one of the back in 2010. I think it's called like Swamp Songs or something. Mm. And it's gone way... They've basically, as far as I can tell, gone way too much in the later Children of Odin direction. Oh, okay, yeah. And it just got a bit more clean. Mm. And I found that really hard to deal with. Like with Children of Odin, I kind of tapped out around Are You Dead Yet? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think they've had a similar directory. Although they've got eight albums, so I've no idea what's happened to them in the last ten years or so. But, um, yeah, this one was nasty enough as well just to keep it... uh, Keep it from getting just cheesy and annoying in places. When the keys came in, it was sort of a bit of a contrast. Or when they're in at the same time as the riff, like, there's a contrast there that's really interesting to listen to. Mm. Because the riff, you know, the guitars aren't super clean. The guitars are a bit sort of dirty sounding. So... It yeah, it's just something that keeps you paying attention. It doesn't feel like all of the you know later Children of Bodom style bands who just have relatively clean guitars and keyboards and stuff going on, which just sort of I don't know lulls you a bit. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas, yeah, 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 yeah. This is still demanding your attention, and because it's so short as well, it's like only a little over half an hour. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's really sort of quick and to the point. There's not really anything wasted here at all. But the thing that might might happen: Did your version have the bonus track on it? No. If, yeah, <laughs> if, if you're not reacting to it, it definitely didn't. Oh, I've got this. I got the CD version for this, and there is yeah. a bonus track of a straight-up cover with screen vocals of Megadeth's Skin and My Teeth. Oh, and it's 
fucking horrendous. <laughs> it's one of those like good album, and then just suddenly, oh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, just I would never understand straight up covers of Thrash songs. Where like, and then we just put screams over it when someone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I now know what the Finnish uh, equivalent of nine one one or nine 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 is now. Though, oh, right. They changed that bit of the lyrics. <laughs> The thing I was going to mention is, if you're into that kind of Children of Bodom style, particularly the older stuff, but like haven't found something else that was great in that direction, another Finnish one that's well worth checking out is Sentence, second album, North From Here, which I still think is the best example of that kind of slightly blackened, shredding, almost power metal kind of music. Mm. But this is, this is up there. This is one of the stronger of this style I've heard. And I'd say, other than like my three favourite Children of Bodom albums... This is a rival to anything else they've put out yeah. easily. Yeah, This is from Guillermo Azul on Twitter. Uh, this is Allegiance Apoptosis, or uh, is it a- apoptosis? Apoptosis, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> which is cell programmed cell death. So cool, cool. it's that sort of sci-fi. Well, not sci-fi, but it's a real thing. Sort of science nerdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a 2019 release on Metal Blade Records, and these guys have been around for quite a while. This is their fifth album. They're a US like proper new school tech death band, like very much that wave of early 2000s American tech death. Hmm. And this is one I went into thinking I was going to absolutely hate it. Are you aware of these guys at all? So again, they're one of those bands who I have like 
occasionally dipped into and listened to a few songs and never given it really enough time. Mm. So this was another opportunity to go back. And like just putting it on for the first time and hearing like it's the like tapped bass in the yeah, intro, yeah, which is just intro. insane. And you're like, <laughs> okay, right, this is the sort of level of musician that I'm dealing with for the rest of this album. Um, but yeah, again, this is one I found myself getting really into no, after a few listens. I, I absolutely loved it. Like, yeah. really, really liked this. And I, I yeah, was not expecting it. Because it's got all the traditional trappings of those kind of bands, like really long solos, um, just like that, that kind of very... Very triggered, over-the-top mm. drums, really clean-sounding throughout. But just the riffs and leads and everything about it is so bloody well-written. Yeah, because I had the same thing. I sort of went into it thinking this sounds a little bit too artificial for me. Mm. And then sort of came out of it after a few listens thinking, actually, I'm not sure you could do this in any other way. No. Shifting between, you know, the sections which are, like, as heavy as something like Suffocation, going through to these, like, really complex, like uplifting melodies I don't think you can do that without that sound you can't capture both of those feelings without this like sort of really clean hyper focused yeah yeah and and, and they they have enough going on that you never have time to focus on like oh that individual kick drum sound isn't, isn't yeah. hard enough because the kick drums like they are so quick throughout like the drummer's yeah. performance is ridiculous like I would love to see him do this live. Oh, 100%. And while there's that sort of like breathtaking speed going on, like really fast sort of guitars as well, there'll be these like sort of much like slower melodies going over the top, which is really cool. Like you have that sort of ferocity of it, but then you have loads of interesting like melodies and rhythmic patterns over the top of that. And with the bass as well, because the bass shines through really nicely because of that clean production. Yeah, they've given the bass plenty of space to breathe in it. And like... It just adds yet another complete, like, yet another set of melodies to the maelstrom of everything (laughs) hit you at once. The vocal performance is really good as well. Like, Mm. the guy does that kind of not quite guttural, like, it's kind of still quite clear, but still pretty in your face. Yeah, and it's like super low without that guttural, like, hit to it. Yeah, which might sound a bit alien over, like, the quite clear production of everything else. Mm. Like, I think definitely getting into stuff like Archspire has opened me up to this style a bit more. Yes, yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. Um, And they've also got, like, that mix of sort of acoustic and electric guitars, which Mm. are sometimes interweave with each other, which is... It is just, a lot of times, it's just sort of this onslaught of different musical textures that you're getting, which is really interesting. And it, and as I was saying with the intro to the album, with that like bass tapping section, it completely opens you up to what you're going to get for the rest of the album. Is like so many ideas that are coming together, but they actually pull them together in a really interesting way. And every time you listen to it, there's new bits that you'll pick out of that sort of maelstrom yeah. of ideas. And I never really found it to be, like, overwhelming or feel like it was just there for the sake of it. Yeah, it never got into that kind of obnoxious tech de- death thing where none of it felt showy. It all felt like this was well-crafted and really mm. well-written. Like, it's primarily there for good riffs rather than, yeah. like, a vehicle to show off how quickly it can change time signature or <laughs> how much, like, just how many, like, ludicrous sweeped arpeggios they can throw in there. There is, like, mm. genuine craft to this. Also... Were you taken by surprise by the random tiny bits of clean vocals? Yeah, 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 that was really weird. I wasn't expecting that at all. But I suppose, yeah, when you get through, it's sort of like, well, they use so many other techniques, why not just add that as well? But it is that thing of when there's so little, you're just a bit taken aback. I think there's about four lines on the album of clean singing. And uh, if it is, I think it is uh, Riley McShane, the vocalist, doing the cleans. He's got a really good singing voice. Yeah. 
probably could do a bit more of that. Like, I don't know whether he does on the older albums mm. or not, but yeah, that I think that really worked. And there's little bits of um, added orchestration at the top. There's like that kind of synth orchestra in places, mm. which yeah, just all fits quite nicely and just adds another texture and some little atmospheric bits in there. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't, even though it's like over an hour long, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah, I think it's just because like, there's so much stuff being thrown at you and there's so many sort of differences in tone. There are the really heavy, more sort of death metal and technical death metal bits and then there's these like much more uplifting sections as well and you're paying attention to melodies instead. So it's constantly sort of shifting your focus between different things. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of what I found when I was listening to it. David on Twitter. This is Horn Distance, which is um, a German band formed in 2002, and this is their fourth album released in 2010 on Black Blood Records. Uh, yeah, this is the polar opposite of the Legion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so this is a one-man black metal project of multi-instrumentalist uh, Neraf, who yeah, not only I think he did everything on it, so mm. all the instruments, recording, producer, all that stuff. And it is like an hour-long, very old-style black metal in in all senses. The production, everything sounds like this could, but this wouldn't surprise me if it came out in '91 or something. Like the only thing that would have surprised me about that is just how good the drumming is. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. The, the, the drumming here is way better than any of the early black metal bands. But it's really funny listening to it because. It sounds like it's one of the early black metal bands, but you listen to the sort of blast beats on it, and there's some really subtle, like, little different things on the ride cymbal while he's doing a blast beat, which is really fast. And you're like, no drummers in the early black metal scene were doing this. Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah, it's sort of like, 
it is that sort of like going back in time and hearing one of these bands, but they've actually all worked out what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The performances are absolutely excellent mm. on it. Although most is nothing, like there isn't any real crazy tech on it. Or even like the kind of real speed of, say, like early Immortal, it never quite hits that kind of pace. No. It's far more rooted, and I think you made this comparison in Bathory. It, yeah. It sounds like... It sounds like those first three albums in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, but with way better production, <laughs> which is, you know, saying something. And, yeah, it does It does make you feel quite nostalgic listening to it. There's bits of, like, sort of, um, like, a lot of the riffs are just these really catchy and sort of upbeat. There's a lot of yeah, the sort of yeah. battery-style ones, and there's the more upbeat ones, which sort of put me in the mind of sort of like that black-and-roll era of Dark Throne. Like, yeah. It's got little bits of that in it, but I'd say it's probably a lot catchy and it doesn't really have that punk influence either no it's it's well and truly this is black metal through and through but there are just little touches of something else and moments of cool atmosphere it's yeah it's really really good yeah i i think i've got to check out more from these guys because yeah seven albums or this one dude which is the main thing that i can't get my head around yeah how i i guess it's he had this vision of he wanted to do something that sounded exactly like that mix mm. of, of styles. But yeah, he has pulled it off near perfectly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, spot on. For doing something which sounds like it was part of the original like second wave of Black Metal, it's spot on. Um, I suppose the thing for me is just like have listen, knowing sort of what Black Metal bands are doing these days, I sort of wish the vocals were slightly clearer. And like, mm. there's a couple of things. like I'd like to hear that drum performance a little bit more because I think there's some really great stuff there. But, like, I can't really criticise it too much because it sounds a hell of a lot better than lots of other black metal that I still really like. Yeah, there's a lot, there's definitely a lot of stylistic choices in there, which, yeah, might put off some listeners because it is very, very kind of raw. Mm. But I love the guitar tone he's got out of it. Like, that kind of carries everything. Yeah, and when there's some bits of the guitar by itself, like, you might, if you compare it to something like a Legion, like we were talking about, you might be, oh, it's kind of like a weedy guitar tone but there's there's something about it that's really emotive mm. like particularly the, with the riffs that he plays yeah like when that guitar is just playing by itself and then he brings everything else in it it feels really sort of lived in yeah yeah the only real criticism i have of this one is it's another one of those albums that just doesn't know how to end like yeah. most of the tracks are these really long build-ups that often evolve into something really epic and then the final song is a really like weedy three minute one where nothing really happens it just felt very like the track before ends in a really epic way and then you just have this kind of crappy song and for now it's so atmospheric you're like I wanted a big close to this yeah yeah. I could cut that song or put it earlier yeah yeah, it was an odd choice but I mean that's that's a minor criticism overall and yeah I think if you like if you like those old if you like old Olva um, like early Dark Throne those kind of styles, or, or really into Bathory and Venom, give this a go, because yeah. this captures a lot of that really yeah. well. It, it, it does make you feel like you're listening to early black metal again for the first time, and, you know, discovering why it's so interesting. Mm. Yeah, and something that's just so in the face of every modern production yeah. <laughs> kind of <laughs> trick out there. Yeah. yeah, if you were to ask someone for this kind of production on an album, <laughs> they would give you a weird look.
up, we've got uh, one from our friend Gemma. This is the latest Swallow the Sun album, uh, When a Shadow is Forced into the Light. Uh, this 2019 Century Media. Uh, so this is the seventh album of seven from uh, Swallow the Sun. They've only been going since 2000, though, which is kind of incredible, the mm. amount of music they've put yeah. out in that time. So Swallow the Sun sort of do that kind of epic emotional doom, completely different to Sorcerer we covered mm. earlier. But also nothing like a lot of like the more funeral doom stuff we regularly talk about. Yeah, they're an interesting one. It's like it's got blends of like li- little bits of black metal in there, yeah. little bits of like the kind of more atmospheric rock kind of stuff as well, all mixed into one package. How do you get on with this one, Rob? Yeah, so again, Swallow the Sun are another one of those bands who I've dipped in and out of and at various points have sort of got a little bit into them, but never quite that much, and particularly when you're interested in funeral doom or sort of death doom swallow the sun are one of those big bands that everyone knows about and Mm. listens to but they never quite clicked with me and so this is again a really nice opportunity to go back and see what they're doing these days because it's been years i can't even remember which albums i would have listened to back then um so i reckon i still need more time with this it's not quite fully clicking with me yet i think there's great moments i really like some of the sort of atmospheric sections like those sort of atmospheric rock parts where they use a lot of um acoustic guitars and synths and sort of drums like those bits are really nice i really like those i think it's just the payoffs aren't yet working for me and part of that for me i think is the vocals i think the vocals are really good but I struggle to place them in this style, particularly the harsher vocals. Um, I th- and partially probably because I'm super into funeral doom, as we talk about it a lot, so I'm used to the sort of super low and powerful. And this is sort of a bit higher and scratchier. Well, yeah, it's, it's more like for the screams, it's more of a, a black metal yeah. vocal delivery. But for, I don't know, I think with this, I really got into the vocals because they're mm. so varied. Like, he has a very good kind of modern rock, clean singing voice, which I think is like the primary voice he uses. But for a lot of the heavier moments, there's like some black metal screaming. I think the keyboard player provides some like more low death metal vocals occasionally. Because yeah, those are the bits that were really sort of hooking me. And I, I, it's probably just a familiarity thing because the more I listen to it, the more I sort of appreciated the arrangement of the different vocal parts and how they sort of weave together. I thought that was really nice. It was just like, it wasn't giving me that massive hit that I expect at those huge moments. Um, but it's, yeah, I think I just need more time with it because it's, you know, it's a very sort of atmospheric and emotional thing. Yeah, I think as well, there's something in having that very modern mix on it means all the levels get even out a bit. So when it moves from the gentle kind of more clean tone moments to like the really heavy bits, the volumes don't actually shift all that much. Mm. So sometimes those payoffs don't quite... You, they don't sound as big as you'd expect. But I actually, and Gemma said this when recommending it, it's, it's an album you have to give time. Yeah. And actually on five or so listens, it suddenly started to click for me. Like mm. th- those moments started having huge emotional weight where previously I'd kind of shrugged them off and not really noticed them yeah. so much. And I think Swallow Sun are a band, I've been aware of them since about 2007 and never quite given an album I've like listened to a lot of albums once which mm. is not the way to get into them mm. like if you want to get your head around this band you need to choose one album listen to it like five or so times the thing not to do with this one is there's a video out for the track Firelights don't bother with that if you've <laughs> never heard it before that's not the way to get into this mm. you need to hear the albums as a whole like I get they're on Century Media they've got to have a video but 
Swallow the Sun are a ridiculous band to try and put down in the format of a five minute song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I genuinely think this is quite excellent. It is very melodic and actually in a lot of places reminds me of Anathema, but like new, like kind of yeah. rock Anathema. Yeah. Much more so than like their actual doom phase. Definitely, because I, I think those were the bits I was really sort of hooking with and it was just, it was matching that up with the heavier sections, which I sort of still need to get my head around really. But it's it was a really interesting experience and I, and I do want to listen to it more. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. there's still more there to explore. And nicely, this one's only 50 minutes, unlike their previous album, which was just over two hours. So <laughs> give that five listens through, it's quite... <laughs> Take a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite, quite a tall order. <laughs> but I, I do think this is very focused and has a lot of truly brilliant moments, particularly the track Stone Wings is the one that's really sort of clicked for me. I like, now absolutely love that. Yeah, I think this is great, but it... It's difficult music to sell because Swallow the Sun, everything they do is incredibly subtle. Like mm. seeing them live a few times, they, they've always been a band with, it's not much to really look at because no one's playing anything that complex there, but the music's intricate enough. They're all mm. very static. Plus you can't really dance around that much. <laughs> slow, mellow doom. But they, they are just a band that require attention. Mm. And if you, but if you put it on the background, it's completely inoffensive as well. So oh, yeah. it's something you can easily give quite a few lessons. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Gemma kind of forced me to actually try and get my head around this because I do think there's yeah. quite a lot there. Yeah. And I might go back and give some of their older stuff another go now. I carry my love within the One of the, the things that was actually requested quite a lot, uh, rather than actual band recommendations, was that me and Rob give some of our uh, favourites of 2019 so far, because we have a tendency not really to talk about particularly current albums. Like, mm. We tend to always work about five years back from the current year. 
So it's quite nice, like sort of two thirds of the way through the year to give some we've been really into. Um, so we both threw in about three to this pile each. And one of the first ones was the new release from Damim, a band we've covered on the podcast a couple of episodes back with their 2019 follow-up to um, The Difference Engine. This is a fine game of nil released on Apocalyptic Wishcraft recordings. And it's basically Nathaniel Underwood has completely reformed the band from that previous mm. album, like totally new lineup with a much more kind of, you know, the whole production's been updated, but more or less, this is the same kind of music that they were doing. And as we said in that episode, their old stuff was so unique. This still mm. fits that niche of, in the 10 years between the two albums, I haven't heard anything that sounds just like this. No, no, it's it's got all sorts of influences, but it sort of defies categorization. There's black metal, there's thrash, there's death, there's prog, there's all sorts of things in here that's really interesting. And there's you can see a lot of things that have grown over the time as well. In particular to me, Nathaniel's vocals have like mm. taken a huge sort of life of their own. He's doing loads of different things. He's got that classic snarl, um, which like sounds so unique to him. It's so sort of aggressive. Um, which you sometimes, and you know, about metal singers I love, you know, with the really deep guttural vocals, it's not quite as in your face. Yeah. It's that sort of like carcass on steroids thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then added to that, you've got his sort of, he does that deeper death metal vocals. And then he's adding these like really interesting cleans where he varies it up a little bit, moves it into shouts and sort of like will vary his voice where you can really feel the emotion from it in a lot of the tighter moments of this album. Yeah, I think the vocal delivery is what sells this beyond yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um, but the, the the music writing as well is really out there and weird mm. and quite hard to categorise. It it has that feeling, I find when going through this stuff, where I couldn't tell you the structure of a song when I came, no. I came away for it. And they're quite short and to the point, like a lot of four or five minute tracks, but they, they're just weirdly connected and... They're, like So I've seen them having the genre tag of black and thrash, which I don't... I, don't. I, I feel it's almost unfair, because when someone says black and thrash, I'm kind of thinking sarcophago or sabbat or yeah. something of that ilk. Yeah. Whereas this is very modern, polished kind of stuff. And also almost seems to have a leaning towards death metal in a I, lot of I'd, ways. I'd say it sounds way too heavy to be like a black and thrash. Like, there's so much death metal influence in here, and like... A lot of these really fast sort of sections where it's got a lot of blast beats and stuff like that with really forefront bass and guitars is just, yeah, it feels far too heavy and aggressive to be a black and thrash band. Because I would still, I'd, I'd much, I think these guys would do much better in terms of like touring with the more progressive end of black metal. Like, yeah. you know, like sort of voices and bands like that one, well, not voices last album, but voices before yeah, they yeah. went all melodic. Um, and the, those kind of bands, like, they have far more in common with the, rather than anything in the thrash yeah, scene. Because there are moments where it's got those sort of like unsettling open chords that you find in progressive black metal, but it then just matches it up with something that feels more like a death metal riff afterwards. And it's so kind of, with that, that kind of black and thrash style, I always get the sense of it being very loose, whereas this is so ridiculously tight yeah. and, and everything's so angular and almost jarring, like... And the the drum performance is is another one of those. It's just silly good. Like it's so precise. Yeah, Flo Torben is amazing. He gives a fantastic performance, which, as you say, like it's got all these kicks and blast beats, which are spot on. But then when you listen to the fills, there's actually a lot of dynamics in there. Mm. There's a lot of variation in this sort of accenting that he's using on the snare and the toms. 
So he manages to get that hyper in your face, like when you need it. Sort of like nothing quite as mad as the China Blast beat from the last album. <laughs> yeah. But like some really tight and in your face and holding everything together and yet still having that dynamic range around the kit as well. So yeah, the drum performance of this was brilliant. And he's done a bunch of really cool drum playthrough videos, which oh, are, which are worth those. watching. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Because yeah. we, we've seen them perform this live and they are a very polished unit. Like they've clearly taken their time to get ready to... Sort sort of come like this is almost feels like a kind of reforming because I don't mm. think they were playing a lot in kind of five years back. But yeah, we've seen them doing this stuff like twice recently and incredibly tight and professional. And they're sort of talking of how interesting the drums are. Like they do seem to be a band where the drums are the instrument allowed to show off the most. Yeah. Like <laughs> the drummer has the most room to kind of play around and throw in some more very like variations in there. Because they don't really focus on guitar solos and that kind of stuff mm. all that much. Like, I think there's a few in there, but... And there's one of those things I love where um, you can change the drum groove underneath a riff and completely change how the riff feels. And one of my favourite examples of their songwriting in general um, on this album would be Necrokino, which mm. is the song where it's got this, like, really atmospheric synth sections which build up and sort of that progressive black metal thing of something really sinister. And then it breaks out into this, like much more brutal black metal section and it will do this bit where the drums come in with a blast beat they'll just drop out completely for like a couple of bars and then they'll come back in with a double bass groove and then it keeps doing this thing where it keeps stopping and then coming back in into the riffs and it's yeah it's that really sort of jarring and angular but interesting and can completely change the feel of the same riff and the same segment by just fiddling about with the drums yeah yeah that, that's a i hadn't spotted that but yeah that is a really interesting take on it it's also uh, an interesting moment where bass player faust uh does like a really good kind of almost flamenco guitar style mm. bit somewhere towards the end of the album which yeah just very atmospheric again like yeah and there's a lot of cool sections with the bass because it's really audible again and there's a lot of parts where it will become really obvious in the mix and emphasising the guitar riffs because these aren't like hyper complex technical guitar riffs but they're sort of weird and angular and like progressive takes on death metal and then you'll sort of hear this bass bit alongside them which just makes them sound a bit weirder yeah yeah like as well this is a band who've always got the hang of doing good lyrics so mm. definitely one if you've got the time go and read through the lyric book with them because Nathaniel has a great kind of style of very apocalyptic hateful lyrics but with a slight sense of humor in there mm. as well it just i think it's a very good take on that kind of i know humanity being evil end of the world yeah. kind of feel and then with the humor of uh, well, something for the weekend which <laughs> i think is such a good track title i that love that really decent. <laughs> but yeah i think i need a bit more time to like fully understand this because there is so much going on in it but Again, it's another really strong 2019 release. You come away from it, it feels angry and unsettling. The whole thing, like, it has an edge to it, which even some of the best death metal I listen to doesn't have. Mm. Um, or extreme metal in general. Like, it, it sits up there as still feeling new and weird and challenging.
one Rob recommended was Valborg's Zentrum. Uh, this is a band have been around for a while, like formed in uh, 2002, and yet another German band. Mm. Yeah, so Valborg's one that I've like dipped in and out of over the years, and then came across this album, they just released it, and so I thought, right, okay, let's give this a proper listen, um, and got really taken by it. So Tom Warrior is a big fan of Valborg to try to sell them. He describes them as a bit of a cross between um, like Hellhammer, Black Sabbath, and Bowen and De Club de Gore. So they're a very sort of, and I would add in a bit of Godflesh into that as well. They're this sort of like industrial powerhouse thing which mixes in sort of the ambient elements and much more aggressive, like it's got a shit ton of blast beats this album um, over a whole bunch of sort of weird industrial sounds, uh, like relatively stepped back guitar and this like really sort of pounding bass and drums which just hold the whole thing together and a mix of sort of almost Ramstein-y style vocals and then much more aggressive like shouts and screams and mixing that in with samples and stuff. It mixes between, particularly at the beginning of the album, like the first three tracks are really aggressive with these pounding blast beats that are driving you through with guitar riffs that sort of do a few chords and then just sort of stop and hang there creating this horrible like sort of feedback and then there's a couple of tracks like Nathod which I think is the fourth track yeah yeah which is then just super catchy and just like this super groovy like drums and bass with this like almost Ramstein but it feels dangerous like it it feels like it's eternally on the edge of breaking into one of these blast beats um, and then it's got these really cool melodic guitar bits as well that it fits into these on some of the later tracks, like Cruiser, I think is how it's said. Um, how did you get on with this one, Phil? So I'd say this this to me sounds very clearly of the New Deutsche Hard scene. Like it is definitely in that that kind of, well, Ramstein are obviously the mm. really famous band from that. Um, but the, yeah, that whole style of German sort of slightly techno-influenced industrial yeah. metal. yeah. I thought it was all right. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't love it. There's something about that style of industrial I've never quite got. I take your point. Like it's a lot heavier than most of that stuff, and mm. it does the overall atmosphere it creates is pretty cool. But I did find it got a bit dull after yeah. a while. This yeah. year, I maybe I need to give it more time. But yeah, I didn't hate it by any means. Like, I happily listened to the whole thing. But mm. yeah, like. I couldn't tell you too much about it after each lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. This, yeah, this is an interesting one because it's only stuff that I sort of dabbled in listening to Ramstein and other sort of bands, or like bits of Godflesh and stuff like that, which is quite interesting. And I liked the idea of this taking it to its sort of like a full album of just like the mix between the really catchy sections and then having these like just pounding like industrial like tech dystopia kind of atmosphere, mm. which I really enjoyed. As I say, I, I did like the atmosphere it's creating. I think it had a similar problem to... I've tried getting into KMFDM in the past, and mm. that's another one of that style. And I, something about it, I just can't get my head around. Yeah. Like, it, but, like, snare sound was amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, the drums sound incredibly precise on it as well. And it's got this really nice stuff that it does in some of the end tracks as well, where it... Yeah, like, it has these sort of more slightly more melodic guitar bits alongside the heavier stuff. And then it's mixing lots of different vocal styles together. It's got sort of a chanted bit, a sampled bit, and then the harsh bit as well. And it mixes that all into this huge cacophony. And I really like how it does that sampling and brings that different kind of intensity into metal. Um, mm. But it's 
it's certainly one of those things where I can imagine a lot of people, you know, just would come away from this feeling, ah, that's too sort of different and just a bit weird and a lot of the, yeah, a lot of those influences perhaps don't make as much sense, but yeah, I really liked that. First album by the Sweden-based band Neuronaut. That's his State of Not Enough, released this year on Duplicate Records. Yeah, this one was really cool. <laughs> yeah, Neuronaut really interesting because I sort of came across them being sold as Sweden's answer to Virus, mm. and there's definitely a lot of Virus influence in here. There's a lot of similarities to be drawn, but I think that's sort of underselling them. I think there's way more interesting stuff in here than just being a band who sort of do a similar thing to Virus, because, you know, there are very few bands who can do that sort of thing. They certainly take a lot of those influences with those slightly weird riffs, the, like, you know, clean vocals over the top of them with slightly weird structures and weird, like, lyrical themes. But there's a lot of bands like Code and the melodic bits of Enslaved in here as well, those, like, progressive melodic bits of black metal, I really feel those sections. Bits of like um, Axiomethica Odini with the like sort of really driving guitar sections and the clean vocals over the top. That's readily abundant here. As is the like really interesting guitar arrangements and like a really cool like drummer who does a lot of interesting rhythms, cool fills, and there's a lot of space to hear lots of things that are going on alongside super catchy riffs and vocals as well. Yeah, I, I'd say I think the virus comparison is sort of deeply unfair because their connections, or sort of like their their influence in virus, they clearly like virus. I'd be amazed if they never mm. heard them, but they're not as off kilter and weird. No. They they don't play around with distance anywhere near as much. Like yeah, as you say, like the the use of some of the guitar chords is a bit outside the usual, but they have a lot more normal riffs than that. And yeah. although the vocals and like lyrics are a bit out there. Virus is complete kind of nonsense in places, like yeah. weird, uh, catchy nonsense. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah. it's trying to evoke something. But I don't believe every virus song is actually <laughs> about something. Whereas I get the impression these 
have a more grounded place with mm. a code comparison and actually yeah you're right with Enslaved as well but code of the band I really get a sense of a similar sound and then I could completely believe they'd never actually heard yeah the other thing we should say with the drum performances one truly not a metal drum performance no no not at all actually this whole album if it wasn't for the kind of twisted nature of the atmosphere isn't really a metal album no it's it's a real sort of push because the guitars are not really heavy at all probably the heaviest it gets is the final song chromesthesia which is like one of the masterclasses of how simple the riffs they use are but how effective they can be the main guitar is just sort of going like this sort of straight eighth notes in it but the sort of lead guitar is doing this really interesting lead pattern, which then sort of halfway through the whole melody sort of swaps slightly with the lead yeah. guitar, which then finishes that melody. Um, and it just, it's this like really epic riff, which feels like an amazing like ending of something. Ends up feeling quite heavy, despite not being particularly heavy. And then after that, it just jumps into this, like it's a, it's just a slightly off kilter, like, um, groove like it's just a sort of it's a like da-da, but it's slightly in a weird bit in the bar mm. um, and then it layers all the vocals and stuff on top of that has a big like synth laden pause and then jumps back into that like weird guitar melody with the driving rhythm guitar um, and then ends the album on that so like it's actually a really like relatively simple structure and a lot of relatively simple riffs but the way it's layered together and moved between instruments and the like slightly weird nature of a lot of the grooves just keeps me really interested in it. I've realised as well, I'm totally wrong about them, like maybe not having heard Code. Part and Tobias both played live guitar for Code at some <laughs> point in time. So, okay, that, that connection now makes yeah. a lot of sense. I think the other thing where they're quite vastly different to um, viruses, the vocal performance is a lot more accomplished. Like, yeah. Victor Parry, the vocalist, is a very good singer. Mm. Like, Although what he's doing is not typical, he can clearly he can clearly sing very normally if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. There's those sort of like it's sort of like slightly low and muted, but there's bits where he yeah he clearly has a really good control of his voice, and it's that it's that sort of stylistic choice, mm. um, which is really nice. Um, it commits to that the whole thing feeling a bit weird. Uh, with like bits, I think it's in the second track with sort of um, where the lyrics are "Go back to sleep." But there's this bit where he like actually goes way higher than the rest of it, and you realise, oh, this guy's actually really good as well. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like I like how the album throughout its runtime keeps you a little unsettled and a little mm. on edge, much in the way sort of Code do with most of their albums. The one thing I would say with it, and it's a debut, so this is mm. fully reasonable to expect later, is I want them to get more experimental. Like, yeah, I I would like this to to step out of step out the safety net of like normal song structures and so on mm. like just go a bit more off the map but for a debut it's it's incredibly ambitious as it stands yeah definitely i think yeah because they've got that sort of sound down and how to do those songs in that structure but i think something like the final track chromesthesia is hopefully a bit of an indication of what they're going to do with later songs because well, it's a really minimal structure but it's not typical it's weird <laughs> yeah um, so i'm hoping they're gonna yeah exactly they'll hopefully do some more stuff like that and experiment with this really nice formula
recommendation from Rob uh, this is the uh, I think yet another Portland band uh, yep. <laughs> this is False and their second album Portent released on Gilead Media this is one I was saying to Rob uh, when I first heard it I for some reason had a really visceral reaction to of just hating it <laughs> it's, it's very traditional black metal I would say not the horn level of complete 80s production like it, it does sound modern but it is very much rooted in a love of your first wave of Norwegian black metal like mm. you can tell these guys have guys and girl have a lot of like immortal and emperor patches on their jackets yeah oh yeah definitely yeah those um because it's got that really sort of epic scope to it, which the Mortal Emperor are the two things I was thinking of as well, with a lot of the keys that back it up as as part of that. One of the things I really liked about it, um, and why I brought it here, is it has a really... It does have some sad moments, but there's a lot of really sort of triumphant and cathartic moments about it. And reading some of the interviews of the band, it's sort of dedicated to the guitarist, um, Jimmy's grandmother, who passed away. And for the band themselves, is sort of a meditation on the idea of losing family members and what that is like. And um, so in the third song, The Serpent Sting and the Smell of Goat, I think it is. <laughs> yes. Um, there, is, there is actually some really sad moments, I feel. And like, so particularly with the synths really layering um, into this, like, yeah, the melancholy of black metal. But then most of the other songs on it, I feel, are mostly defined by how sort of triumphant they feel mm. with these huge synth lines, really nice melodic guitar parts. Like the first track, A Victual for Our Dead Selves, the thing that sold me on it is just how sort of uplifting in a way it was, despite still being full black metal, um, you know, with blast beats and tremolo pit guitars and all of this stuff. It managed to get a really sort of cathartic feeling out of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And, and I should say, I've done a kind of 180 on this where I now think it is kind of great. Like, mm. every, although it does very much like borrow from those classic bands everything here is so well done like the vocalist Rachel is really really good mm. the the tone they have for the guitars works perfectly and all the performances are ridiculously uh, decent I mean you call the guitarist Jimmy I've got in my notes Scorpion Vanderbrook there's two of them I think oh it's, uh, okay yeah I, I thought they I thought they only had the one guitarist oh yeah he's credited as lead so maybe oh, yeah. maybe <laughs> not um, but yeah like this is a really, really full package of basically three very long epic songs. Yeah. Um, but everything about it's pretty great. The cover was the guy who did the Bowitch cover, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, just you just look at all of his paintings and think they're all gonna be metal covers in the next couple of years. Yeah, he is in danger of being overused. But at the moment I'm still enjoying oh, yeah. it. Still amazing artwork. Um I there were some really subtle things about the drum performance that I really liked where um there's a lot of these like really fast like ride cymbal sections dominated by the ride cymbal, but he'll do this little thing where he puts in a little tom hit 
in-between ride cymbal hits, um, where I was listening to it, like, desperately trying to find the missed ride cymbal note, and I couldn't quite get it. So he's, he's either doing it with the other hand, or he's really quickly moving between the tom and the ride cymbal, but it lent some really nice emphasis to certain moments, and it's it's a tiny little thing, but it's something that I kept hearing. I kept hearing, right, there's a tom there that's making like quite a big impact on that bit of the riff. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and really nice. Added on to, you know, just a lightning fast and really precise drum take. There's just those little things that add a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a couple of little bits of lead in there as well, like some actual figures approaching solos that mm. are really cool. Like, I feel that actually the lead playing sort of really sold it to me, as you say, mm. that kind of quite triumphant yeah. style. And I think that is really carried in the lead guitar melodies they put over this. But at no point does it not feel extreme and black metal still. Yeah. And, it, and as you're saying, like, they could have filled this album with solos based on that lead guitar plan, but they were really restrained with how mm. they built that into the music. Considering how long these songs are, you could easily have a situation where it builds up to these gigantic solos. You can easily spend two minutes in a 15-minute song for a solo, but they never do that. It's always as a sort of punctuation. There's a lot of it as it's sort of solos that bridge gaps as the song changes and evolves and moves on, and they really have those evolving structures which is sort of fairly typical of really long black metal rather mm. than having those repeating segments the song gradually evolves over its length and sometimes reincorporating the riffs you've seen before bringing back that repetition at the right time and i found that despite how you know the three songs in it are really long never found myself getting bored of them mm. yeah 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 i don't i don't know why i had such a reaction to mm. it i think it I think it's that thing sometimes I want stuff to have stepped outside the box a bit yeah, more. Yeah. But actually, they've done this so well, I can't give them criticism for all that. Yeah.
We've got two nepotism corners in this. Uh, one is a band we've mentioned on the podcast before. This is the local thrash band Voluntas with their debut EP, Walk to Hell, which came out, I think, about a month and a half back now. Mm. So we covered these guys before. I think me and Rob have seen them a silly amount of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like easily eight, I think, at this yeah, stage. Yeah. But they are just one of those really professional local units. Like, th- there's four guys, um, guitarist and vocalist Mark, uh, lead guitarist, or other guitarist, Caleb, mm. um, Joe on bass and vocals, and Alex on drums. And they, the four of them are just really, really good at what they do. Yeah, and so so they won Bristol Metal to the Masses this year and went on to play Bloodstock, um, which fortunately neither of us were at this year, but seen some footage of their set, and we went to their... Um, EP release party a couple uh, like yeah a month and a half ago or so and yeah every time we see them they seem to be getting better recently um, yeah they're a really tight unit and again um, Alex on drums is brilliant like, <laughs> he's, he's such a good drummer uh, he's got some really cool little patterns where you know uh, you'll see people a lot of people air drumming in the crowd to certain parts that he does <laughs> yeah, yeah there's really cool bits and really like the rhythm section there locks everything down. But then the thing I was really impressed with this album, because I know their rhythm section's amazing because they're always the bit I'm sort of staring at when I watch them. But I was really impressed with the lead guitars on this uh, yeah. EP. Really spot on. The sound was incredible. Yeah. Calum is very, very good at soloing. Um, so is Mark. That's, that's unfair to single one of the two of them out. They both... So this EP, is, I think, has been in the works for a long time and everyone has clearly worked on getting their chops up to the mm. the level to perform perform this perfectly like this just sounds tight as all hell yeah but it's got you know it's got a very modern production but it still sounds pretty raw and aggressive mm. like and actually through the whole 25 minutes runtime they don't really let up on it being aggressive in your face <laughs> it, for like if you still got time for modern fresh this is definitely one of those bands to look at because they mm. keep it so aggressive and there's just loads of interesting things in it. As you say, the solos are great. The drum mm. performance is really great. We have a mo- mentioned like the twin vocal attack yeah. is really good. Mark goes to the more kind of traditional like old Hetfield like gruff yeah. cleans, but then Joe does these super guttural, very rhythmic low uh, like yeah. screams in the background. And they build these together really nicely in a lot of the choruses and the verses, where they're sort of constantly changing between each other. And yeah, for I think people like us who are super into our death metal, that's a really nice hook to get in there mm. with because it just gives you that lower, like more aggressive end that helps round out the whole thing and really helps because they're like sending this all at you, being really aggressive at all times. Having that low end really helps. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a slightly fun trick I've not heard a lot of other yeah. bands do. Like that mix of two vocal styles, I think, is certainly what gives them a mm. uniqueness. And it's just interesting to see a really good newer thrash band. Because I yeah. have to admit, in the amount of thrash bands I've seen, especially like local scene gigs, mm. supporting stuff, they're never normally interesting. But these yeah. guys, every time I've seen them, it's been a really fun show. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't know quite how they found this X Factor, all these other mm. bands haven't. But they really, they are just so much better than most yeah. modern thrash. Yeah, there's just always interesting things to pay attention pay attention to when you're listening to them and seeing them. Be that the dual vocal attack or the solos or the drum performance. Yeah, there's just there's yeah there's just a lot of little things that add together to make them feel really distinct from a lot of the other sort of you know thrash by the book bands. Yeah, I should also mention Calum's also in another brilliant local band, mm. uh, DS Holocaust, who are and kind of I think a lot newer like. 
they do the kind of very old school sepultura worship, almost yeah. black, uh, yeah. not black metal, death metal, mm. and they have Body Harvest drummer who is another yep, like another legendary local musician. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they I think they've got an album coming out in the next couple of months as well. So mm. yeah, and um, uh, Alex the drummer, his other band Treus came second in the same metal yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dear Holocaust and were playing that heat as well, so everyone as band is capable of doing double duties. <laughs> like Alex, in fact, fronts the other band. You yeah. know, like yeah. go, they're kind of that very aggressive style of metalcore. I don't think that's unfair yeah. description, but yeah, like, and he's an excellent frontman as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, sort of unfairly talented, but yeah, people who are involved in loads of interesting projects here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd say definitely give the CP a go. Uh, it's called Walk to Hell. Um, I think you can find it all on Bandcamp.
not for all his submissions, me and Rob sort of check the time on this and realise this is definitely a two episode one yeah. unless you want a mammoth three and a half hour one. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so yeah, this was a really impressive lot and we've mm. only done the first half of it. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming in the next episode, which I'll probably put out about a week after. But yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Um, yeah, please do all the usual rate and review us on iTunes. Come on, come find us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook, Twitter at Breakfast Metal or Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com. And if you like this format as well, we'd happily do another listener recommendations one a few months away because the research is exhausting. Yeah. But this is but it's, it's always cool getting to go back and like look at bands that we haven't come across, like some of the ones we've mentioned, or go back and explore bands properly, getting like a really good recommendation from someone who knows them mm. rather than just stumbling in wherever. So if you ever have anything you think, oh, Phil and Rob should check that out, just send it across. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>